start up. Acts 20. You got a Bible? Let's go to Acts 20. And I, I think God um, is going to really radically alter some of you, your history today. I, I mean, I, I don't say that lightly. This morning, God is just going to radically alter the course of your life here in just a matter of minutes. So isn't that so cool to be in the house of God and, and just that fast? Everything changes. That, that's how quickly it changes with God. I, sometimes we get so caught up in this process. Oh, yes, I'm in process. I'm in process, so God's just working on me. He's working on me. And I, I get that and I understand that. I'm all for that. But I'm t- God changes us in a moment, in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye. The old is gone. The new has come. I, I mean, it is gone. And I have a new life in Jesus. So Acts 20, I got to preach this, so stop shouting me down, okay? And the choir wants to sit. So um, you guys, you good? Okay. Uh, Acts 20. So this is a series we're doing called Ignite as we're getting ready for this Ignite event. And we're talking about the eight practices of the early church and how those same eight practices are our practices today. There's eight simple practices that will ignite your faith. If you wonder why I'm so fired up, let me tell you why I'm fired up. Because yesterday, we practiced this. We practiced not the one I'm going to preach about today, but one we're going to preach about in a few weeks, and that is prayer. Prayer will ignite a fire in you. That's why I'm so fired up, because I've just been praying. And when you pray, God gets in you. So here we go. Acts chapter 20. I'm going to, I'm going to read it. I promise. I'm going to let you all sit down. Acts 20. Uh, um, and this is the story of the early church and the Apostle Paul. If you're new to church, let me help you out here. The Apostle Paul started all these churches all over the world. And so he's on his way to Jerusalem, and he doesn't want to go to Asia. He's like, i got to get to Jerusalem. And finally he's like, all right, I'll stop. And the church at Ephesus loves him, and they're like, hey, oh, we want to see you, Paul. And, and so they show up, and we see this in verse 18. When they arrived, this is the leaders of the church, he, he said this, Paul said this to them, you know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus and you wonder, how do I get in on that? Do I sign a form? Like, how do you become a follower of Jesus? Right here. It's real simple. Paul tells us, repent turn to God. Cry out to God. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Would you forgive me? And then have faith that Jesus is the Son of God. He says, and now I'm bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead, but but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. And here it is, church, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is the assigned work of every follower of Jesus. The work of telling others the good news. Telling others about hope, healing, peace, and purpose. The wonderful grace of God. Father, in this moment, we humble ourselves and we just ask that you would speak. Church, I would ask you to pray for me first that I'll just be on point today and what the Spirit is trying to get said in this place today. Just pray for me, and I'll be faithful to the text and speak on behalf of uh, what God has for all of us today. And then now let me pray for you, Father, for, for the men and women in these seats today. 
we are asking that your Holy Spirit would speak to all of us, even if those that are not a follower of Jesus, listen, God wants to speak to you today. Just say, all right, God, I'm open, I'm listening, and, and uh, I'm ready in Jesus' name. And if you're ready, give me a big amen. amen. All right, you can be seated. Well, it's crazy, but in just uh, one week, Laura and I will be empty nesters. That was not from a new parent at all. I know that. <laughs> new parents are like, well, congratulations. That's good for you. We have been parenting for 33 straight years without a break, all right? I used to look like Zac Efron. I mean, I was... But now, young parents, this is what you got to look forward to. Because here's what I, man, here's what I know. Man, nothing will destroy your confidence faster than having children. I mean, they will just humble you, and you realize I ain't got no clue what I'm doing. We've had four. I thought by having four, I'd get better at it. No, it just gets worse through the process. Just do me, do, hey, do us all, but just have one and call it good, okay? Because you think you're going to get better, it doesn't get much better. But they will absolutely rock your confidence. I, I, I love talking to people that don't have kids who act like they're so, I'm so busy, I'm so overwhelmed, life is so stressful. <laughs> really? Like, and I feel for I do. I understand the stress of that. I mean, you got to go home, and you got to figure out what you're going to binge watch on Netflix, and it's, it's complicated, you know? But listen, meanwhile, I'm in charge of a human, right? Not a goldfish, a human. I can't flush this thing down the toilet, okay? I mean, they will flat wear you out. I love watching. You can always tell the parents when they're walking into church because they look like something out of The Walking Dead. They're like, uh, uh. And I'm like, I always thought The Walking Dead was a parenting show. That's what I thought it was. <laughs> That's exactly what we all look like is, as parents. Let's just be honest. Have you ever, as a parent, you ever had that moment where you're like, you know, you're coming home from work, you're exhausted, you're on the expressway, and there's your exit, and you're thinking, whoo, 1,600 miles to paradise. <laughs> Little umbrella drinks, and somebody's bringing me a towel and supper. I mean, I, that's, I, I just say kids, they will, they will just flat. I, I, mean, I love my kids, um, but they will wear you down. They will sap you of your confidence. They will leave you bloody and licking your wounds, won't they? That's just the truth of it. And you just, as parents, and many times, we just, we're just winging it. We're just trying to, we don't know, I think I'm getting it right, I'm not sure if I'm getting it right, and you just, your confidence is just shaken as a parent. But I, I found this to be true, honestly, in any area of life. I mean, just pick any area of life, your career. Many times you walk into your, your job and everybody else seems like they've got it together, they've got it figured out, oh, Chris, he's got his little doctorate degree, he's on point, knows what he's doing. Meanwhile, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? I would love to paint houses for a living, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I mean, you just, and you're, you're like, I could never, ever be that. Or, or maybe it's school that you're in school and, and everybody else around you is successful and, and they're getting the ropes and they're getting the diploma and you're, you're struggling and your confidence is rocked. Or maybe it's a relationship and a relationship that's been broken and you're just like, I, I don't know if that's ever going to happen for me again. And, or maybe it's your finances. You know, you, nothing will destroy your confidence faster than finances. Or maybe it's just simply your future. You're just so unsure about your future, you're unsure, so unsure, even, even the day-to-day -day choices and decisions that we have to make in life 
can just rock our confidence. Well, here in uh, this letter, we are introduced to this guy, Paul. And and if there was one guy that did not struggle with confidence, it was the Apostle Paul. I'm not going to have you turn to this, but we'll put it on the screen for you. Philippians 3.3, just to give you a picture of of Paul's confidence. Paul Paul says this, he says um, in Philippians 3.3, We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Bam. I mean, he's just talking about how awesome, like, yeah, I'm that awesome. And then he goes on to talk about how awesome he is. He writes down how awesome he is. He he says things like this. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. Boom. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. Drop the mic. He's name-dropping, okay? It's like saying, hey, I'm a Kardashian, you know? I mean, maybe not that. Maybe not that. But... He's like, I'm a Pharisee, and we think a Pharisee's in a bad light, but in that day, they were the elite. They were the fancy pants. I mean, and he said, I'm a Pharisee. He's like, I, I, man, I fought the law, and the law won. No, I won. I'm that awesome. I have kept the law perfectly. I mean, this is who Paul kind of said he was, and I think it's such a picture of the world and how the world has kind of this confidence scorecard. Like, I, I, got, I got the resume. Check out my resume. Yeah, right there. Got all the things that I've done. I'm a bad mamma jamma. <laughs> Look at my diploma. Yeah. <laughs> Chris got like three ropes. I got like seven ropes, and I'm, I'm check me out. I'm awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm that good. Or you, yeah, I live, uh, live over there. Yeah, that place. You live that? Yeah, yeah. That's the world's scorecard. The, the world has this scorecard and, and based on all these different things, but here's the thing. Confidence is not found in accomplishment. Confidence is not found in accomplishment. Come on, tell two people right now, confidence ain't found in accomplishment. Come on, confidence. And he, here's why. Because, because accomplishment uh, can be stripped away from you at any moment, which means your confidence can be stripped away from you at any moment. And Paul said this, I, I put no confidence in human effort. In fact, he goes on and says, I just counted all as garbage. He says, my confidence is found in Christ. So I want you to write this down because here's where I want to go for a few minutes, okay? Write this down. Continual surrender. We're going to talk about continual surrender today. Continual surrender to God's spirit builds a confident spirit. Continual surrender to God's spirit builds a confident spirit. In other words, as I surrender to God's spirit, he fills me with the confidence of Christ. And this is what we see in in Paul's life. Paul was like a living example of continual surrender and and having a confident spirit. And let's go back to Acts 20 now, okay? That's where we started today. Let's go back to Acts 20. Let's look at, I want you to see this continual surrender pattern in Paul's life. It starts in Acts 20, verse 19, where he says these simple words. I have done the Lord's work, what? Humbly. I've done the Lord's work humbly. So I want you to write this down. I've got a few things I want you to write down today so you understand what continual surrender is, okay? Continual surrender to God's spirit builds a humble spirit. Continual surrender to God's spirit builds a humble spirit. Like, we we live in this culture today that says, I answer to nobody, right? I mean, humble and humility has just been tossed aside. 
Like, I'm just going to do what I want. I'm going to live my way. I'm going to live by my rules. I get to decide what I'm going to do. Ain't nobody getting in my way. And what is the result of that in our world? It's a mess. Chaos, sexual confusion, depression, divorce is rampant, anger, Incredible division and divisiveness like we've never seen before in in our country. So you got Paul here, and Paul, he had to continually humble himself. He had to continually say over and over again, I'm not that awesome. Like when he said all that humble brag stuff, he was meaning like, I got all that, but I got to stay humble because none of that matters. He says, "I, I, I... It can't be about me. Look at what he says here. He says it this way in verse 24. He says, but my life is worth nothing to me. Come on, somebody say, it's not about me. It's not about me. My life is worth nothing to me unless unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. And here's the work for all of us that are followers of Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. See, Paul, Paul saw no value in personal gain. All those things, he said, it didn't matter. It's just garbage to me. He he saw a world that was in need of hope and healing and peace and purpose. See, we, we have the answer the world so desperately needs. We have the answer to the chaos. We have the answer to the pain. We have the answer to the depression. And his name is what? Jesus. Jesus, yeah. We have the answer so So we can't live for ourselves. This world is going to continue to be jacked up unless we humble ourselves and say, I'm not going to live for me, but I'm going to live for others. I'm going to humble myself for the sake of the, as Paul says it, of a world in need of the grace of God. But here's the crazy thing. That sounds so good. I could just stop right there. Let's pray. Let's go home. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to serve the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But let me tell you what's going to happen if you uh, continually surrender, if you want to sign up for this. It's not going to be all bells and whistles because Paul, Paul suffered incredible hardship from the very people he humbled himself to help. He goes out to help these people, and they turn on him. Look, look what it says in, in the second half of verse 19. Paul says, I have what? Say this with me. I have endured the trials. I have endured the trials that come to me from the plots of the Jews. Now, now during Lent, we're, gonna, we're reading together as a church through the book of Acts. So go online, corechurch.com, you can get the entire reading plan. But reading through the book of Acts together, I love that when we read together. But when you read it, what you're going to see is the kind of trials that Paul went through. Let me give you just some of them. He was beaten. He was thrown in prison. He was on a slave ship. He was dragged through the streets and left for dead. He had false accusations made against him. He, he was whipped. I mean, just you name it. He went through it for the sake of the gospel. So I want you to write this down. Here's what continual surrender is. Continual surrender to God's spirit builds an enduring spirit. So so we're building this confident spirit, but to build a confident spirit, I have to first build a humble spirit, and then I have to build an enduring spirit. And can we just be honest, man? It is difficult to completely and continually surrender when life is not making sense. 
I guess it's easy when things are, are, are going well, but, but man, I mean, what do you do when you suffered through a, a broken relationship? What do you, what do, you do when, when you've suffered false accusations like, like Paul has? What do, you, what do you do when your career goes south? What do you do when, when the, the money's not matching up? What do you do when the heater goes out? Like, that's what happened to me a couple weeks ago. I got out my Bible, it was, I was doing the 5.30 a.m., those of you who were here for that, you know, and I was doing my daily devotions so I could, you know, do that thing, and I sat down, I'm like, God, oh, check me, Lord, we're just having our time, Jesus, and had my Bible open, and it was a cool morning, it's like a crisp morning, and I was like looking at the Word, and it's like, oh, it's a little chilly in here, and, I, and all of a sudden I heard the heater, you know that sound the heater makes where it goes, boom, and you're like, oh, here it comes, oh, it's going to warm me up, and I heard this, boom, and in that moment, I gave God glory. I just said, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. You're with me in the trials. I would, no, I did not. I buried my face in the Bible. It's like, what? I'm reading the Bible right now. I'm doing the thing you told me to do. And my heater has gone out. It, it is tough to endure when, when things are not going right. And so here's, here's Paul. He, he's continually surrendered to God, and he's, he's beaten, and he's surrendering to God. He's thrown into prison, and, and he's surrendering to God. He's, people are talking smack about him, and he's still surrendering to God. This is the people of God. This is what we have to be willing to do. If you want to be, if you're not a follower of Jesus, let me tell you today, this is what you're signing up for. People to talk smack about you. People to talk bad about you. Things to not go right in your life at times. But yet, I persevere. I endure because I trust in the sovereignty of God. This is what Paul did. I mean, I think endurance is just lost on this generation. I mean, we're the buffer generation. Like, how many? How long is this ad gonna last? Like, fifteen seconds? I don't have fifteen seconds. Like, you watch the Olympics, and maybe watching the Olympics, and you watch that. You know, we we just we get caught up in the little four and a half minute routine. You know, the person doing the triple lux axle quadruple bypass, whatever that thing is that, <laughs> whatever they do, and, and you're like, that was amazing. All we see is four and a half minutes. We don't see a lifetime of falling and getting back up, showing up at 4 a.m. at the ice, going home when the sun is down, getting up, falling down, getting up, falling down, fear to do that jump and trying that jump with great fear and falling down. That's life. That, that is life. We get the four-and-a-half-minute snapshot on stage of, uh, of, of people's lives, and we don't see the four years of perseverance that they, that they have been through. But Paul endured. He didn't quit. He trusted. He's, he said, my confidence is in Christ despite the hardships. This is what I'm trying to get said today. By continual surrender to God's spirit builds a confident spirit. If I will continually surrender to him, I will build a confident spirit. Look, look what Paul says in verse 20. I love this. He said, never, I never shrank back. Somebody say, don't shrink back. Don't shrink back. I, I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear either publicly or in your home. So here I want you to write this down as we talk about confidence. Continual surrender to God's spirit builds a steadfast spirit. 
So we're working towards this confidence, a building confidence, and it's built through a humble spirit. It's built through an enduring spirit. And now Paul is showing us that it's built through a steadfast spirit. This is what's crazy. We love Paul. Paul is the man. I mean, we look at him, we're like, dang, man, what a life. This is incredible. Do you know people did not like Paul? Like, there were a few churches, they loved Paul. But there were a lot of people, man, they talked smack. We don't like Paul. We don't like every time he comes to town, he, we don't like what he says. And I mean, he, he was not, he would not have been a YouTube sensation today. He was not real well liked. And when I think about Paul, man, I just think, man, I can, can I just tell you as a pastor, sometimes I, I want to come out and I want to be liked because I'm a human. I want you to like me. So I want to tell you all the stuff that's going to make you feel good. And I want to tell you all the stuff that's going to, you know, just like, just make you go, hee, giggle, and go, ha, ah. oh, I just feel so good today. It's so warm and fuzzy. Oh, it's so nice. I like doing that because it makes you feel good. But then I'm constantly reminded of what Paul told Timothy, Pastor Timothy. He said to him, he said, when you preach, you got to correct, you got to rebuke, and you got to encourage. And I'm like, I'm down. I'm down with the encourage part. I'm down with that. I got hope for you. And people are like, woo, we love you, Pastor. And I'm, I, can, I can handle the correct part. The correct part's not bad. Like, you know, just like, eh, you might want to think about this. Eh, here's a, you might try this. Eh. The rebuke, I'm out. Like, rebuke, that's not going to make me a YouTube sensation. When I rebuke, that's not going to make me a real popular pastor. Like when I stand up and I say, hey, 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 those of you that are followers of Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're out. You just sit by and say, oh, okay, he's going to rebuke them. Okay, that's cool. I'm listening. But if you're a follower of Jesus, like, listen, this is life. This is life. If you are not reading this and your face is not buried in it, you are not experiencing life to the fullest. Get in the book. Get on your knees. You're like, oh, I never hear from God. You know why you don't hear from God? Because you're too, way too busy. And you can't take time to fall to your knees and say, all right, God, whatever. I, I don't understand prayer. I don't know anything about prayer. But I'm, I'm, listen, I, let me tell you what. It's not fun to come into church and, here's a, and say to somebody that's a follower of Jesus, listen, you come in, and if you're a follower of Jesus, listen, you're a follower of Jesus, and you come in, and you just take up your seat. You take your seat, and you're like, man, this is cool. I just love this. I got my coffee. It wasn't quite as hot as I wanted, but it's fine. And, oh, they sang that So Will I song. I just love that. That was amazing. How about that choir thing? I like it. That's kind of cool. It's fun. They were all praising. It's really neat. And, and then you just get up, and you just go home. You don't give, and you don't serve, and you don't do nothing but soak it all up and never give back. Like there are children right now back in that wing that need the hope of Jesus. Who's going to tell them about Jesus if all of us say, I just don't like kids. I'm just not good with kids. Really? Really? You know, that was my answer. And then God said, you're going to be a children's pastor. <laughs> I'm not good with kids. Then be a children's pastor. You'll learn how. I'm just telling you, like, you, you really would come into the house of God and say, my, this is my money. Don't tell me how to spend. I'm talking to the followers of Jesus. This is my money. Don't tell me how to spend my money. Because this is my money, and if I don't give it, then that, that, don't, don't be making me feel bad about that. Really? People are dying and going to hell. And, and you're going to hold on to your cash to buy what? Amazio's pizza? 
That's more valuable than a human life? A pizza? We are just jacked up. Like I won't get out of the seats and serve because I'm just tired. I'm just so busy. It just doesn't work into my schedule. Okay, meanwhile, people are going to hell. See, that's not fun. <laughs> I don't like the rebuke part. I don't like to do that. Because I know what happens from that. I, I can sense it. I can hear it. I can feel it. And I, I, I struggle with that of people internally saying, don't you talk to me like that. Don't you tell me how to spend my money. Don't you try to make me feel guilty because I'm not giving. Or don't you try to do that. I'm not doing it. If you're feeling that, that would be the spirit of God talking to you. Not me. Not me. This church is going to move forward by the grace of God, not because of you or me, but by the grace of God. If you won't rise up and serve, God will rise someone else up and serve. If you don't give, God will rise someone else up and give. But you know what is wrong in that moment is, listen, you are walking in disobedience to the very one that you say you're following. All right, enough of the rebuke. I got to get off of that. Enough of the rebuke. We've got we to land this thing. So Paul knew there was only one way to stay humble, to endure, and to stay steadfast. And we find it in verse 22. He says this, and, and now, and now I am, come on, say this with me. I am what? Bound by the Spirit. I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I, I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. You know, Laura and I... Um, just recently, well, this week, I should say, because it was Valentine's, this week we celebrated our 34th Valentine together. That was pretty, yeah, I was pretty excited about that. Like, and the one, one thing I know is, listen, we are joined together. We are in covenant together. And, and what we have, what makes our marriage successful is this mutual surrender to one another. It's mutual surrender. She tells me what to do, I do it. Okay, that's, that's mutual surrender. Yeah, I do. That's cool, honey. Yeah, I'm, I'm serious. I'm all in. You want to go to, let's, I would love to go to Hobby Lobby. Absolutely. You, you know what? Yes, let's watch a Hallmark movie. And could you give me some of that cucumber water while you're at it? Because I would love to have that. You know, you know what we need? More candles. That's what we need, honey. Oh, and Paul, that's my life, people, right there. I, I didn't make any of that up. I, that's, really my, that's really my life. That's why I'm laughing right now, because that's my life. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but when Paul, back to the Scripture, when Paul, when Paul said he was bound by the Spirit, what he meant is, I go where he goes. It's not mutual surrender. It, 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 I, Roger, come here, come here. I need you to help me, okay? Uh, come here. Come on, man. Get up here. All right. Uh, I want to I show you what this looks like, okay? Paul, Paul says, I, I'm bound by the Spirit. This is not mutual surrender. This is I surrender to the Spirit. So just put your arm out. We're going we're gonna to put our arms together here, okay? Help me with this, okay? Just, just wind them together. Is this your first time using rope? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. This, this, is what, this, this is what Paul means. Don't say that in second service. <laughs> Y'all, this is church. All right. So this is, people, I got to land this plane, okay? We got another service rolling in. 
This is, this, this is what Paul means. Listen, I, I am bound to the Spirit. Wherever he goes, I, I go. But, but what happens is we do this. We're like, hey, come on. We're like, hey, come, come with me. Come with me. And, and, and what we're like, oh, and God says, listen, I'll let you go there, but I ain't going to go with you there. Or, or, or we say this. We're like, all right, God, you, you go on ahead a little ways. All right, cool. All right, you check it out. As long as it's good, all right, it's looking good. Hang on right there. All right, it's looking good. Okay. And then, oh, oh suffering? Oh, oh, it's a difficult road. I'm going to sit this one out. But that's not what this is. Give Roger a hand. Thank you, Roger. You're awesome, man. This, this, is, this is what Paul is trying to say. Like, I am bound to the Spirit. Wherever he goes, I go. Paul says suffering lies ahead. Jail lies ahead. But I'm with Jesus. We have, and we have a, um, a friend of ours, Laura and I do, that uh, went through a really, really um, brutal time in their marriage. Their spouse just completely checked out and just made horrific choices, just really bad choices. And for, to the point where Laura and I were so concerned about our friend, and we said, man, it's, we just felt like they should get out. This is not healthy. You need, you need to get out. But this, this friend of ours who was just a, a person who demonstrated continually surrendering said, I know, but God keeps telling me to stay in. I know, but I, God keeps telling me to stay in. And I remember we would keep telling this friend of ours, we said, well, if, if that's what God's telling you to do, then you need to stay in. And I'm just telling you, there's times in a marriage relationship, you've got to get out because it's not healthy, it's not good, and it's, it, it's bad. But God told this person to stay in, and it wasn't a week, it wasn't two weeks, it was years Years of brokenness, years of, of betrayal, years of, of uh, just a mess. And then the Spirit of God broke through to their spouse, broke that person, turned their heart back to God, and today their marriage is solid. Their marriage is founded in Christ, and together they are ministering to God and with God. This is what God will do for you if you will stay bound to the spirit.